Welcome to Idea Lemon's Discover Your Inner Awesome Podcast. What the hell are you doing? I'm just longboarding up to you. My name's Rajiv Nathan, and his name is... Martin McGovern. Martin, why are you on a longboard? I'm on a longboard because we just got out of Portland. We're in San Francisco right now. And while there, we met a pretty kick-ass longboarder. I believe she's, what, second in the world? In 2012, she was ranked number two in the world. And she actually was someone that we happened to stay with accidentally. Accidentally, yes. Well, we didn't know where we were staying when we got to... (laughs) This is all part of an epic road trip that we're on. As Martin mentioned, we were in Portland. We're in San Francisco right now, but we got to throw this final Portlandian episode to you with Marissa Nunez, who's, as we mentioned, champion downhill longboarder. Three years ago, she was number two in the world. And when we sat down with her, we were at their house, and she basically said she's having trouble staying, keeping that fire in her belly, staying passionate about this thing she's passionate about which is downhill longboarding. So we attempted to answer and explore the question, how do you stay passionate about your passions? Before we dive into this conversation with Marissa Nunez, want to remind you guys, you can follow along with our road trip at idealemon.com, and it is in partnership, this podcast and our road trip is in partnership with Under 30 Experiences, a badass travel community that takes like-minded young adults all across the world on really fun trips, We've been on two of their trips before, and we have some of our best friends come out of it as a result. Iceland, Belize, Costa Rica, some amazing places. If you want to do something, you're sitting at your desk and you just want to get away, take a look. These are some awesome, awesome trips with cool people. And as an incentive to get you to actually take a look and go from daydreaming to straight up doing, Under 30 Experiences has tossed us a promo code for you guys, our listeners. When you go on under30experiences.com, Use the promo code IDEALEMON, all one word, IDEALEMON. I-D-E-A-L-E-M-O-N. For $100 off your next booking. So if you want to go to Machu Picchu, you can get $100 off your trip to Machu Picchu. Why not? Check them out. They're cool. We love them. And we're doing dope things together. Let's dive into our conversation now with Marissa Nunez, downhill longboarder. How do you stay passionate about your passions? We'll check in with you after the show. Uh, so I got involved in longboarding when I was living in Miami. I was in high school, and uh, I was surfing a lot in Florida. And uh, unfortunately, there weren't very many waves down in South Florida, so we have to travel all the time or far to get some waves. And then we all just decided to get longboards when we couldn't surf, uh, to skate around. And then I, I went to college, and I started skating a little bit more, and... Um, I got a car, so I was able to go further, and uh, we'd park at the top of the parking garage in our university and skate down, so I started going down things on my longboard, and then I met a group of guys who were competitive, and they would throw races in parking garages, and I saw their style of skating for the first time, which was downhill racing style, and I fell in love with it. And I started hanging out with them a lot, and they kind of took me into their crew. And uh, we'd go to competitions together, and we'd throw races, too. And downtown, we'd hit up all the parking garages. Um, and it's like some movie shit. <laughs> <laughs> it was, yeah, there, there was some pretty sketchy moments, too, in downtown Miami. I mean, with traffic, and 
Because, yeah, it, it was a lot of fun, and I really liked that lifestyle. I got to get away from a lot of uh, the superficial type of crowds that dominated in Miami. Uh, you don't so... <laughs> No way. <laughs> that yeah. exists there? So it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't like the movie Brink? <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. But, um, yeah, so it was, we were night crawlers, you know, we would just get out at night and skate, and I felt like I was progressing and uh, I was getting a lot of support from my friends and that kind of pushed me to keep going and we started going afar to compete on actual hills Um, and at the time I was working at a bank so I was actually able to pay for my trip to go out to places. I would go to Puerto Rico and North Carolina, different areas around there for competitions and um, I got picked up by a couple of sponsors because event photographers were there. They were getting my picture out there. And um, then I just started traveling more uh, by means of my sponsors funding it. And yeah, and just kept on traveling and haven't stopped since. <laughs> that was like seven years ago. <laughs> so prior to being in Miami and... Um, going to the parking garages. Did you skate at all prior to that or no? Uh, not, well, yeah. Or skateboard, I should say, prior to that. Oh, skateboard. Uh, no, I, I was never really into skateboarding. I tried to get into skating in the park, but I was pretty intimidated by it. There was, there was never any girls mm-hmm. skating there, and I was, I always felt like I kind of stood out too much in the, in the skate park, and I didn't like that feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Is that what was different about the downhill? Uh, with downhill, it was a little different. People were, um, I was definitely the only girl, but people were just more accepting that I was a girl. They would treat me more equal. In the skate park, I felt like I was kind of like, I don't know. <laughs> it was a different vibe in the skate mm-hmm. park. It felt more like a community vibe yeah. than the longboarding. Well, so this is interesting that, like, this has obviously become a strong passion of yours, but it's not something that you necessarily, like, grew up you know, like people will like when they're like five years old, they're like, I'm gonna be in the NBA and they like love basketball and that kind of stuff. But it's not like you necessarily grew up like idolizing downhill longboarders or anything like that. Why do you think you took to this just of any activity that was out there? Um, I, I just thought it was probably just love at first sight. The first time that I saw these guys skating the way that they did and when I was researching on YouTube and checking out pictures of people doing this, it was just like a whole new discovery of a whole different world and something that I I just thought it was very beautiful and it just made sense to me and it was just something that I wanted to be a part of and I wanted to see myself doing and I felt like I was totally capable of so I just went for it yeah no it's badass Uh, we were watching some of the videos yesterday or two days ago and we were like wow this is like the coolest (laughs) stuff you get to see as you're going down the hill Um, I think, no, I think this is an interesting point though, because just in terms of like getting involved in a passion, quote unquote, in the first place is it doesn't have to be something that you've always cared about. Like you can stumble into liking something or you can, you can stumble into getting involved in something. It's not, uh, I, since I was three, like since Tiger Woods was three years old, he was holding the (laughs) golf club. You can get involved, I think at any level or at any point. Right, right. And it's totally self taught. I mean, like, there wasn't any sort of class or lesson or anything. We would just 
to it and figure it out all along the way. It's like the downhill version of Lupe Fiasco's kick push. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I like the whole self-taught piece of it too, because um, that's I've been I really enjoy comedy, and that's one of the things that comedians always say. Uh, yeah. It's like you know you can if you're already it. One of them was asked like. How do I learn how to do stand-up? He's like, if you're asking me that question, you're already not ready. <laughs> He's like, just go on stage and bomb and keep bombing until you're not bombing anymore. Yeah. And it's like, if you're in classes for comedy, you're probably wasting time. You should probably just get on stage and keep bombing. Uh, yeah, and so that's, that's always been something that's been so interesting to me because it's like, how like do you have to be born with that? You know, like because I don't feel like me, for example, I don't think I could ever. <laughs> it just seems so far-fetched and well and meanwhile i'm sure there's people but... who are like i could never do long uh downhill right. longboarding right it's just like i don't know i don't think it's i i think it, it's very rare that you have to be born with something unless okay. you're like a savant like you could yeah. I mean there are certain levels of smarts that i don't think anyone will get to unless yeah. you're born with that you know like savant nature to you but i'm a firm believer that like nearly everything can be learned if you mm. just decide to apply yourself. Yeah. Um, but if you have the mindset of, well, I could never do that. Well, yeah, then you're never going to do that. But And maybe you don't care. But like In the comedy case, you probably don't care to be a stand-up comedian, which is fine. <laughs> but there are a lot of people who do, who want to be get right. into comedy or want to get into skateboarding or want to get right. into something. But they're like, oh, but I don't know. It's too late or I could never do that. Mm-hmm. And that is that's the disconnect. It's like if you tell yourself you can't do it, then you'll never do it. But if you find a way to do it, like you didn't start by saying, like you didn't get involved being like, I'm going to be a champion downhill <laughs> longboarder. You're like, this looks cool. I don't know how to see what this is about. And then it just kind of grew from there, right? Right. Pretty much. Yeah. But you were amazing from day one. I'm assuming. <laughs> no. <laughs> Definitely not. And I have scars to prove it. So. <laughs> a lot of bloodshed. Skin. <laughs> but now you got helmets and like 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 bodysuit gear so yeah, it protects you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, what is this Seinfeld? He's like the only sport that doesn't that that anyone could do is the luge. It's like, I don't want to do the luge, and so you're just pushed on a hill. It's got to be the same way with downhill longboarding. You just once you start, you literally can't stop. Right? You have to finish the, <laughs> unless you crash and burn. There's no turning back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what I think is a, it's almost, it's like a cool metaphor about it though. There's no turning back, literally. (laughs) There there is not. And I think, um, that I think is scary. Not just like in a general life sense and trying to get involved in something. I think that's something that is scary for a lot of people is, Mm. is there a point of turning back or you're at that point of no return? Because that's, this whole idea of even getting involved in the first place, the reason why we don't is because we're afraid of either failing or afraid of getting rejected or whatever mm-hmm. it might be but then once you start what can hold you back from exploring it further is do i like am i going too far down this rabbit hole that i can never turn back but i think there's always mm-hmm. except for when you're literally going downhill there's always a turn back point but even in that sense like take it out out of the actual races if you wanted to get out, I'm sure you could get out. <laughs> and if you wanted to do something else, I'm sure you could do something else. No, it's an right. addiction. You're stuck. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. It actually, well, it definitely is. I would say an addiction. Once you're once you're in it, um, it's because once and it's like anything, right? If you feel like you're decent or you know, like you're kind of good at something, then it 
you want more of it and you see, you want to see how far you can take it, you know, and you just want to continue doing it until, who knows. Yeah. Well, and that's when you know it's something you really care about when you and do right. want to push the envelope and see right. how far can I take this. Yeah. Um, so like for me, outside of our business, I'm also a rapper and it's something that I have only really taken more seriously and put out there this year. Okay. And now it's something where I'm like, I, I really see no limits with it. And it's something I'm still doing on like a local level in Chicago. Mm. But like, whereas a couple of years ago, I would say to myself, like, yeah, I don't think I'll ever play like the House of Blues. Now I'm like, I don't think it's unreasonable that I could play the House of Blues. Wow, that's great. And even like like Don, who's someone we've had on our show before, he's an MC. Um, like he basically said to himself like two years ago, he's like, I'm going to play the House of Blues by the, by the end of this year. And lo and behold... He played the House of Blues by the end That's of that so year, rad. and it's it really is. It's like we've talked about this before, Martin. It's about like what are the what story are you telling yourself? If you tell yourself you're good at it, right, then you're going to naturally think about like ways you can get better. Right. If you tell yourself you're bad at it, you're going to find all the ways that you're not good enough. Right. Right. But you you can definitely tell how some people have like like a little bit at least of a gift for it. Like for you. I can see you being a rapper because you seem very articulated. You're very good with your words. Well, thank and, you. <laughs> yeah, and, like you're very clear in the way that you talk, and I feel like maybe that's a great attitude, attitude to have in a rapper. I think it, I mean, I, that's a good base, but I actually, yeah. from where I started, you know, like I started writing stuff in high school and to where I am now, and even like the first mixtape I put out was like five years ago. That was trash compared to the one I put out, this, the EP I put out this year. I think you've heard both. But right? that's the whole point of like, trying and failing and growing right yeah so it's like there is this spark there and there's something in there that you're like that this might not be my best but this is the best i can do right now yeah and you can keep growing from that that mm-hmm. seed yeah yeah well and, and, yeah and that's i like that metaphor right it's like once you water the seed it's not going to grow into a plant right. but there has to be a seed planted for anything to grow but exactly. i think oftentimes and i was kind of self-defeating for a while being like yeah it's just this thing I casually do on the side or whatever, um, and wasn't really like proudly saying it. And I, I think it's like I wasn't sprinkling enough water on it. But now it's like something that I tell everyone. It's part of who I am, and I throw now all the it's water a on. Flower. Yeah, now I'm a beautiful flower. Um, but let's kick this metaphor up a notch. <laughs> One of the reasons that people. Uh, get scared off of following their passion is that they think that they'll burn out on their passion. So if I make my passion my career, so if I'm an artist, but then I make art my career, I'm not going to like art anymore. It's just going to be something I do for work or won't express my true self. It'll just be something I do for a paycheck and so on and so forth. Um, But what I find so interesting about that, if we're going to kick this metaphor up, is... (laughs) Um, when the, when plants grow, they don't just stay one plant. They throw off seeds into the wild and let other Ooh. plants grow. I'm liking where this is going. Yeah. Um, and then those plants start doing other things and, and merging in other areas and starting up new forests. The germination. All that good stuff. They, they germ. They the germ. pistils and the stamens. And some bees combine yeah. and fornicate. Um, <laughs> and, but what's fun about it is that, like, I think people keep too narrow a mindset on what their passion is. They say, oh, it's just painting, maybe. And they'll say, I'm a painter, and they won't express other mediums that are involved in what really is the thing, which is art. 
Mm-hmm. And so I always think it's interesting when someone says that they're following their passion. Um, are you thinking of all the different ways that passion can be expressed? And because we're talking about skateboarding, the best um, person I can think about is Tony Hawk, who, when they talked to him about his passion, they're like, you followed your passion. He goes, well, yeah, but I also knew that if this was going to be my life, if I was going to have a life that revolved around skating, I knew I needed to learn everything that ha- you had to know about the industry of skating. Like, do you think I care about textiles? He's like, no, but I know about t- the textile industry because I had to make a t-shirt line and all that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of curious what your guys' thoughts are on all that. Well, you're starting to get involved in that, right, Marissa? Like the non-racing aspect and some of the right. industry business. Like what are the other things you're doing besides racing right now? Uh, so right now I'm working uh, for my shop sponsor, Daddy Board Shop. Uh, I just got promoted actually to store manager. Um, and I'm definitely doing a lot of uh, sort of human resources, a little bit of merchandising, well, a lot of bit of mer- merchandising, retail, customer service. Uh, so it's a lot of things that could revolve around skateboarding, and it does every day because essentially we're selling to the skateboarder um, and appealing to the skateboarder. But there's so much more involved to that, and it has a lot more to do with just other stuff and not skateboarding. Um, so yeah. Well, like that. what's what's the other stuff that it has to uh, do with? Well, yeah, like I said, like human resources and merchandising and okay, so some retail. of the more like, like basically business aspects of it. Yeah. Do you feel it's that stuff is taking you away from? the core element of what you love um, or helping you? Sometimes it, it feels like it does. You know, like 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 anyone, you have your good days and you have your bad days at work. Ultimately, it's work. But um, in the end, it's always really rewarding to see someone leave the store a million times happier than when they came in, when they actually have a board that they know you know for a fact that they're going to love it because it's something that they would want for their style of skating. Mm-hmm. So the whole thing is welcoming a person, making them feel comfortable being the first impression of the shop and figuring out what it is that they want because many times people come in here not knowing what they want. So you gotta figure it out, give them the options um, and then set them up and then make sure that they are happy with it and most of the time they are. So. Yeah, it's uh, a lot of customer service, and in that way, it's pretty rewarding. Yeah, to serve people. But I bet that kind of stuff probably (laughs) helps you, even in figuring out like, and at this point, like you're sponsored, so you're getting boards basically tossed to you. But figuring out what type of board do you want to ride next, or like knowing if a competitor is on a certain type of board, is that like, does that help with the racing aspect of it? Uh, It definitely has. Actually, being in the shop atmosphere has definitely opened. Um, a lot of demoing, a lot of testing out different things, and kind of me figuring out what it actually is that I like, just being exposed to all these materials, all these things, and knowledge from other employees too, and knowledge from customers even. A lot of people who come in are really knowledgeable on skating, um, and it's just always being involved in conversations all day yeah. <laughs> about skating. Yeah. So it's definitely helped me. Um, 
Rose, we kind of came across this question in, in thinking about what to do for this podcast. Um, were you kind of thinking more along the lines of wanting to spend more time doing your passion, or was it more about trying to find other ways to enhance it? Um, well, when I came, uh, it's, it's actually a, a pretty funny story. Uh, when I got the job, I was traveling in Europe, and I didn't really have any direction as to where my life was going. Uh, and I needed to Except find. for downhill. Except, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was the only direction I was going Is that at like the, time. the most common joke? It's all downhill from here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Very much so. There's actually a really funny shirt. Um, it says, downhill skateboarding ruined my life. <laughs> and I can totally relate to that. <laughs> Definitely. That's Changed awesome. the course of direction in so many ways. So many puns here. <laughs> All right, what was the question, though? Um, does it... Well, you were saying you were traveling Europe and you right. didn't have much direction. Yeah, so um, I was traveling, and I didn't really know where I was going next, and I needed a job, so I contacted the shop, and they offered me a job in Portland, so that's what brought me here. And um, I didn't really know what to expect, really. It was... I was stoked to be able to work within the industry, but not knowing what it really entailed. Uh, so I just went for it, and it kind of developed the way that it did. And I'm really happy that it did because I got to gain a lot more knowledge and uh, on skateboarding itself and on different parts of the industry. Kind of see uh, skateboarding through within an industry. So it's. Um, it's definitely a different perspective. There's some good things, there's some bad things, you know, like behind the scenes of anything. But um, I feel like it kind of gave me a new perspective on skateboarding and also on the company. And yeah, I mean, it's it's been good and I'm really grateful for everything that I've learned. Where do you uh, see things going from here? <laughs> um... From here, I really don't know. I've, I'm. It's really hard for me to look really far into the future. I'm not. I've never been one to look too far ahead. I always live in the moment a little too much sometimes. But wherever, I don't know. Wherever I can go. Wherever the road takes you. Yeah. <laughs> maybe not downhill. Maybe uphill yeah. a little bit. <laughs> the rest of the show is just gonna be fun about hills. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Trying to go back up. But that's kind of where we're at, too. We're kind of li- living in the moment literally day to day. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Down to, like, where we're going to sleep, hence how we got to <laughs> your home here. So. Welcome to the house. <laughs> so, yeah, it's definitely, um, especially because I used to be someone who had five-year plans. Uh, it's really? It's a nice change in pace to sort of wake up in the morning and be like, hmm, what are the things I'm interested in today? And how do I want to pursue those and execute those? Yeah, I think what's interesting, though, is that, okay, so, and this whole conversation started with you kind of being like, the fire isn't as strong as it once was for racing because there are other things that, you know, you've gotten your hands in now and you're kind of, while you still love racing, it's like, how do you get that love back? Um, Or like that strong love back for it. Um, I think what happens a lot of times is, it's not so much the execution of it 
that really is what makes it fun. It's like the the feelings that surround it or like the the energy behind why you're doing it in the first place is what makes it fun and important. Like um, like with rapping, right? So I absolutely love it. But I also know that there are other things that I love just as much that help me become a better rapper. So that like I'm not always sitting down and writing lyrics, right? But I also don't beat myself up when I'm not writing lyrics or when I'm not coming up with something because I know everything else that I'm doing is an experience I have that might some that might be able to be material for a song. Like the other day when we were hiking in the mountains, I was like, "Don't mind me. I'm just going to make a voice memo on my phone real quick because I just thought of like four bars that I want to add into a song at some point." Like that kind of stuff is what I think helps with not burning out on it and making sure you can keep it interesting is mm-hmm. figuring out like the what are the other experiences you can have that then relate back to that core thing mm-hmm. or like um, like today when we were when I, when I went on my own hike up in uh, Multnomah Falls I just like I thought everything around me was so beautiful and I had like a cool interaction with a few people that I was just, I literally I just sat down got my phone out like the notes app on my phone and wrote a blog post for our site that I'll throw up probably later today but like I know going on that like I knew going into that hike like this is not a waste of time or this is not something that is like taking away from our business because everything that we come across I'm like this could be material for mm-hmm. what we're trying to build with our company and motivate people and get them to do more of what they want to do so on the skating front while the racing aspect might not be um might, you might not be doing as much racing as you want to or you might not be like getting as involved as you want to there are certainly other things that you are doing and maybe still can do that help round out the experience and bring it back to racing definitely um recently i just got into giving lessons um so that actually is something i'm really really happy that i got into uh it took a little bit of courage because i've I, I mean, I, I just started out just, you know, just by myself, like, okay, I'm just going to start giving lessons, and I, I guess the first step towards anything is the hardest, right, to mm-hmm. actually get it started. Um, but once you do, I find it can be quite rewarding, and it's it's worth risk. Um, and I'm just really glad to be able to give back to people and see people who are just starting remembering how I felt when I just started mm-hmm. in my passion. Um, it was just that constant excitement, that obsession, that always thinking about it, always looking up the videos, looking at how it can progress, um, seeing that in other people is, and assisting them, helping them to progress and see themselves progress and encourage them. Mm-hmm. And that's actually something that has been the most rewarding thing me in skateboarding and that's cool and that's because you you just kind of explored a new avenue right it wasn't Mm -hmm. like racing is the only thing I can do and can ever do why don't I start teaching this because I'm good at it (laughs) and then now it's more rewarding than the racing oh man yeah it's it's one of my favorite things I think to do right now Uh, I I, I love to teach and I love to encourage people and I love to give them confidence Um, because a lot of times it's that's mainly the like the, the thing that people lack to continue is just confidence in yourself and just believing that you can do it. You know that they're perfectly capable of it, right? But um, a lot of times it just takes that little bit of encouragement for people to continue. So 
uh, I'm just really glad to be able to be that person for people. Right. Yeah, and I've kind of noticed that as a theme in people who follow their passions. They spend a lot of time making sure that they're good at their passion. And then they hit a point where they're either going to go pro or they're going to find something else to do, right? And so, like, I did cycling in college, and so a lot of my friends had dreams of, you know, Tour de France in the future and things like that. Um, but all along the way, they constantly were like, well, that's one option and one way to go. And then there's the other option of, like, maybe just own my own bike store or do something else. And they'd always be like, whatever it is, I just want it to revolve around bikes. And uh, I know, one of my friends in particular, he... Uh, He's definitely one of those guys who, uh, he, he went the racing route, and then he was like, he went and worked at some bike shops, and then he was like, okay, this is unrealistic, I'm going to go get a real job. And so he went and got a real job, and we were all like, what are you doing? Like, we, you need to be <laughs> Wait, what was what was a real job? Like, an office job. But, like, uh, like, like finance? Like, what did he end up? Uh, I'm not actually 100% sure what okay. it was. He, but an office job. Well, yeah, an okay. office job. That's another office. tangent I'll go on after this, but go yeah. ahead. <laughs> and so what ends up happening is he does that for a little while, and then, like, obviously that doesn't work out because he he doesn't like it, he's not doing it as well because that's not what he's focused on. He's so focused on his races on the weekends and things like that. And then that ends up fizzling out, and he ends up uh, going back to racing and then he starts his own company coaching people. And so then he coaches for a year and a half. Ends and cycling? Up, yeah, he coached cycling and, so then, and training people. And then that turned into a relationship with Specialized, which is now who he works for. And he like is a salesman or something for Specialized, taking bikes all over the place. And he, was, he drives down to like uh, Texas and stuff with Specialized bikes and this Specialized car. And he's like loving every part of it. And uh, it's one of those things where just to watch that path of like, initial passion to like almost getting to this point but then like switching back and like trying to go the traditional route and then being like no screw that and going back to the passion and then finding ways to keep it entertaining and you know like that's something you can always he can always keep doing races is that something that he's going to do as his main thing and only make money from racing or is he going to just make a life surrounded by like hundreds of bikes that (laughs) like every day so it's funny how some people just kind of need to prove it to themselves to actually step out of it and then like okay i actually do need this like they need that you know exterior perspective and to be able to continue Mm -hmm. yeah i I can i can relate to that yeah Yeah, because it gives you something to like either run toward or away from and i know we don't normally encourage people to be making decisions based off of like fear or based off of running away from something like don't avoid problems in your life but if there's like something you believe like one of the things we noticed when we started teaching branding we found this article on Forbes that was like you're gonna have a brand you should talk about this thing every day and you should uh, change your social media name to blah 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 and like we just hated it so much it gave us like a stake in the ground to build a platform off of. Like, and we're going to do the opposite of it. Yeah, the yeah, exact opposite of this article. <laughs> and uh, I think that going back to, or like trying a career and being like, wow, that is the opposite of what I want. Now I know what I do mm-hmm. want. And yeah. going the opposite direction, I think mm-hmm. really helps. The other thing too is, so like what you mentioned with your friend, that's much more of the, like, like the Charles Barkley versus like the Michael Jordan so like obviously Jordan's the best basketball player ever but if you kind of like look at his life post basketball he's not a very happy person 
Like outside of his endorsements, which he puts zero effort into, like we talked before on the mm-hmm. previous podcast, like his commercials, he doesn't even, he doesn't even talk in them. He just like <laughs> smirks and yeah. pulls a Hanes tag off of someone's back. Like I don't think he's spoken in a commercial in like a, in like twenty years. <laughs> it's actually uh, the same audio clip from the first. Yeah, time exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, but he really isn't like that. I mean, you know, he's an owner of a of a of the Charlotte. Uh, Hornets now, or no? And yeah. some racing, and like some like motorcycle, motorcycle teams, motorcycle but thing. he's not from like the stories you read about him now, and just looking at him, he was so focused on basketball, which kudos to him, he became the greatest ever. But he never found like what else can he do to keep himself happy and motivated. Whereas like Charles Barkley looked at it and he's like, okay, here's an industry I just want to be a, like, okay, a Hall of Fame basketball player, but he's like. It doesn't just end with, with playing basketball. And if you look at him now, like Charles Barkley has so much more fun day to day, I'm pretty sure, than Michael Jordan does. He's an analyst. He's like a, you know, he's a comedy act, basically. He's like, like a personality. And everything that he does, that Barkley does now, he, he like, you're never like, oh, man, he really didn't figure this out after basketball. Uh, but like Jordan, like I look at him and I'm like, yeah, you're awesome and you're this legendary player, but... He never found like his what's next, even though he's got his hands in a few different things. It's like I think those are just things to keep him busy, not necessarily keep him happy. Interesting. Barkley was just as entertaining as Space Jam's, if not, more. <laughs> if not more. <laughs> um, I also want to go back to this what you said with your friend about then he got a real job, and this is just like a total aside here, but. I don't like this definition of real job. <laughs> like that, the only like work that's actual like real work is you go into an office and sit down for eight hours a day, and then you go home and then you go back. Like, why is that real? <laughs> it's actually the if anything, most, it's more like veil. It's, it's the <laughs> most like contrived thing. Yeah. What society would consider, you know, what our parents or grandparents would consider a yeah. real job, unfortunately. Right. That is a very interesting, just like looking at the nomenclature, it's like the real thing to do is to not be in your actual life, but in this building here for yeah. these hours. Like that's real life. Part of the system. Yeah. And then hanging out with your friends isn't real life. Like that's, or like going and like working on something that you're interested in is not real life. That, that is a very interesting. Well, and as you say that, what I'm thinking of is it, it's, it's almost like the more the word real is used, or the, the, the places where real is used, the more contrived it is. Like, like real world, reality TV is all contrived stuff and all staged stuff. Yeah, if you have to, <laughs> if you have to say that you're not an asshole, you're probably an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> um, promise, promise, I'm not a dick. Yeah. <laughs> but you can talk about like getting a real job, you can talk about reality TV, watching the real world, I'm sure there are other things too. All of these, whenever, whenever you have to put real in front of it, it usually means, well, we're just saying this to make people believe it. Oculus Rift, man. It's, uh, what do they call it? It's, uh, uh, the virtual reality? Virtual thing? reality. Yeah. That's, what I'm That's almost it. Um, like, I know, like, one of my friends kind of, like, ribs me all the time about, he'll be like, because, uh, you know, we're doing the entrepreneur route thing, and he's just like, Oh yeah, not not working again. Another day not working. And I'm just like, oh my god, 
Just because I don't clock in and out doesn't mean I'm not working. I actually work more than I ever have before. And it's just like, like what we were doing the other day. We were like, you were like, so this is our job now. Like, oh, sitting yeah. down with people in podcasting is part of our job. And yeah. I had that realization. Yeah, I was like, oh, wait, we're not just doing this for fun. This is part of our job now. Yeah. Cool. And it's fun at the same time. Yeah, like, exactly. I think it's like this disconnect where if you're satisfied and it's something that's really exciting, it must not be work. I think that's when people are winning at life the most, is when you don't realize that you're working, but you're actually working. Mm. That's the blank. That's the ticket. Well, but that's the thing that you said earlier. You're like, I every day I woke up and I was constantly thinking about longboarding. And it's just like, yeah, if, if, if all you can think about is that one thing, then you have to do it. Every morning I'd wake up and before I go to work... I think about ideal lemon for like an hour and a half while I'm getting ready, eating breakfast, and that's like the first email I check, everything like that. And then I'd go to work and I'd be like, dang it, I can't think about this until 5 p.m. And oh, then yeah. 5 p.m. would roll around and the first thing I'd do is go run and teach a workshop or yeah. something else that was interesting to us. And I think when you have something that you can't stop thinking about is really when you have to explore every avenue of it and you have to realize that it's when people try to define their passion, they're like, what am I passionate about? Saving the world. It's like, yeah, okay, <laughs> calm down, pump the brakes. What, what is just the thing that you can't stop thinking about the most? Like every morning or every day when you're sitting around and your mind wanders, what does it wander to? And I think when you can sit down and really think about and, and identify what your mind wanders to, then you kind of realize, oh, that's the direction that I should probably go not that every morning I just am burning. It's just like, no, that's where my brain always ends up. It always ends up back on the square. And I need to go in that. Every morning you wake up burning, you may want to see that. <laughs> <laughs> you may have contracted something on a, on a weekend night. <laughs> um, all right, so we've kind of defined like the idea of the passion versus the work or like the real world versus the real world, whatever you want to say. But now... How do we get to that point of making sure it stays a passion and even though it's a job, you can stay interested in it? I think it's being okay with however it evolves. You know, I mean, when we when we started this road trip and we were kind of talking about this earlier, like the fact that we didn't know where to, we were sleeping in Portland is crazy. But it's also... <laughs> Being okay with that uncertainty and allowing it to sort of happen. Uh, and we talked about some previous podcasts, but basically the idea that just because you're interested in this one thing doesn't mean that the outcome is going to be what you think it's going to be. So if you're interested in um, racing, the outcome might not be that you're going to become this ultra famous racer. But she is. <laughs> but like. But the, but the point being is that, like, it can also show up in a hundred other ways. Like, and to be okay with whatever way it ends up, I think, is a huge piece to not getting burnt out on it. Um, as with any, like, we're going through this trip, and, and we keep saying, if either of us were the type of person that was like, it has to be this way or else, the trip would be done by now. <laughs> we wouldn't have made it through probably... Kansas City, if, 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 if we were that way. That was the first stop. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and, and so, like, the fact that, you know, 
we don't know where to sleep and I'm, I'm a bit neurotic, but I just go along with it and <laughs> figure it out as we go, I think is what makes it successful and is what keeps it interesting because mm-hmm. uh, we're sitting here today and we wouldn't have been otherwise. Yeah. I think another thing too um, is the fact that, so like this is a job, right? Racing's a job. Even if it's really fun, it's still a job. I think you have to acknowledge that aspect of it. Like I remember as a kid, like really not understanding when like one of my favorite baseball players would leave to play for another team or like, you know, let's say they played for the Cubs for like 10 years and they signed a contract with someone else or basketball, whatever. Be like, how could you do that? Like, this is your city. And then like, as I got older, I realized, wait, this is their job. Like, (laughs) why would I want to stay at the same company for 10 years if there are other companies out there who might have other things to offer me and different lifestyles and and better pay and all Mm -hmm. that stuff or different goals? Like, you know, like I never understood, I used to never understand like, oh, like you were so close to winning a championship with this team. Why would you go to that team that has worse players? And it's like, okay, well, the pay was better. Maybe it's a better city you want to live in. Maybe it's a different type of lifestyle. I have a family. Yeah. <laughs> and you feed kids. Yeah, all that stuff. And that, that kind of, when I realized that, which was probably sometime around college, uh, that at the end of the day, it's a job. That's when like the switch went off for me that even the things that are really fun and you're passionate about and are like oh it's like a kid's game but it's on tv even that is work for these people and when you i think you have to acknowledge that it is work and that it is a job because that makes you think about it differently as opposed to just like instead of just thinking about how do i keep the fire burning 24 hours a day it's no how do i build the type of life and make the decisions i want to make yeah, it's really nice mm-hmm. of Cypress Hill to teach you that lesson, by the way. <laughs> I don't know where that's from. <laughs> it's a it's job. Familiar. It's a fun job, but it's still a job. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, I think that's really cool because it's, it's the life that allows you to actually do your passion when you want to do it. And we've talked about this a little bit, too, with, um, with Seinfeld, where he said, you know, it gives... The show that I did gives me the ability to have the life that I want. So, like, the show gives him the chance to just do stand-up and only do stand-up because that's what he loves. But he had to do that show to build a life that allowed him to both live his lifestyle, which is collecting Porsches, okay, (laughs) but also uh, be able to... His show is sponsored by... uh, His 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 car is sponsored by Audi, though, right? Exactly. Accurate. 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 But actually, going back, when he was a kid, he... His initial interest was to be in advertising. Yeah. And one of the things that he loves doing now is directing the ads for yeah. his show, um, Comedians, Cars, and Coffee. Because the thing is, is that he wanted to do advertising, but he hates all the bureaucracy and bullshit in advertising. And so now he gets to do com- basically what he wanted to do as a kid, except he has full control over the entire commercial instead mm-hmm. of having to you know, answer to a client or something like that. Yeah. And so he ends up getting to the industry, like the real quote unquote real job that people would have probably said you should go do if, if anyone was saying that to him as a kid, but he actually ends up getting there just through his own way right? and making his own path and actually has more control in that case than anyone I've ever met in the ad industry. This is why I kind of, I don't want to say I have an issue, but I've never like taken to like the idea of like strict hard goals and more, like, general, like, themes or, like, things you're striving towards. Because if he just had on the mind, like, I need to work in advertising, who knows if the whole comedy thing ever would have come to fruition. But 
because his mindset, you know, we know this from studying him, was more like, yeah, maybe as a kid he's like, I want to work in advertising, but as he kind of grew up, he was like, I want to explore more of my interests and just what I mm-hmm. like, and that that's how comedy came about. Then ultimately it leads back to advertising. Just the other day, remember I told you, I was like, so we're, we're working, we're doing some consulting work as well right now for, um, for our brand, and I was like, you know what's crazy? Right now, we're doing the work that is exactly what we said we want to do as like as our job, and we're doing it while we're traveling, which is something we said we like, we want to be able to do, and we're doing this other stuff too. I was like, "Isn't that crazy?" And you're like, "Yeah, I never thought that that we're doing the exact work we said we wanted to do." But we weren't the entire time thinking, "How do we get this exact work we want to do?" It was no, let's just keep exploring what we enjoy and the types of things we want to bring into our lives, and then that led us to doing the exact work that we want to do. I'm curious to know your guys' thoughts on this, are too. It's not like we wake up every day and we're like, let's go do our passion! Like, <laughs> it's not like that. It's like, I wake up and I'm like, all right, where's the coffee? All right, I'm doing work. All right, now it's time to go do a podcast. All right, now let's go. And then all of a sudden, at the end of the day, I'm like, whoa, that was a good day. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like, I feel like it's more looking back. It's like, oh, wow, okay, that was a really cool day. That yeah, I did something a lot that things. just flows on its own and it's natural. In your day-to-day, um, good. Yeah, is there, like, I mean, because there's, there's, like, different types of flow, kind of. It's There's this one where it's, like, there's no set goals. You're just kind of doing things that you enjoy and you're interested in and people notice because if you're interested in it you're doing it, people notice. Um, but, like, with sports and, and things like that, there actually are these moments of, like, true flow. I'm kind of curious, mm-hmm. like, what your guys' thoughts are on that. Well, you're flowing downhill, <laughs> um, taking turns and sharing a moment with other people, having a connection, uh, sharing a passion, being in a community who all share the same passion. Yeah, well, well you were involved. talking about that earlier and, and how you got into that over other types of skating because of the people. And how much has that influenced uh, even to today, like you're talking about the social media and everything like that. How, how much has that influenced it? Uh, well, it's it definitely influenced it quite a lot. Um, feeling welcomed and feeling like you're a part of something with welcoming people. People who all are, have good attitudes and are, are nice uh, is definitely going to make you feel like you belong, right? Um, Was there any like um, one person that really helped you out early on? Uh, not necessarily one person, but it was, it was like the, the group. Uh, it, it was definitely a group, uh, and they were really welcoming. Um, and just feeling like you're a part of something, you know, as, like, as a community is, is really good and it's encouraging. Well, that's a, <laughs> no, that's a huge part of it is the idea of, having a quote-unquote team or building a community right. around this because the toughest thing to do when you want to work on something you care about or even just mm-hmm. explore something you care about is to feel like guilty about doing it or to not be able to share it with anyone because right. who do you turn to when things go wrong or who do you look to for advice or any of that stuff? If you don't have that support, if you don't have that network around you of other like-minded people like, maybe you're feeling down one day, but then you go and see the other people's smiling faces and they can't wait to go downhill. You're yeah, like, it's shit, all right, let's do this. <laughs> yeah. 
I'm curious, yeah. Martin, on your end, since you want to get into comedy yourself. Oh, I'm getting outed. Well, what, <laughs> so from what we talked about so far, how is this going to influence you getting into comedy? Well, just the fact that we've been having the, these conversations. Hey, cat. <laughs> Sorry, there's a cat. Um, just because we've been having these conversations, uh, it's already changed my mindset from thinking about how much I enjoy comedy to yesterday when we were at um, happy hour and uh, I noticed people laughed really hard at something I said. I actually wrote it down, which that sounds like a very small thing, but the fact that I stopped long enough to think this could be something I eventually say on stage means that I'm actually going to be on stage someday. Yeah. And that, you know, uh, fail or succeed or whatever you want to say ends up happening with that. Um, I do know that at some point I will be on stage telling jokes and they might all bomb or they might be great. <laughs> um, probably uh, the former. But um, I'm cool with that because of the fact that I've already gotten one laugh from that line. Now I just have to figure out the way to repeat a line and continue getting laughs. So. I think just, just the fact that someone around me or people around me were like, that's dumb, or didn't say, that's dumb, move on to the next thing. Because I think that's the most damaging thing. It's like, oh, I'm really interested in this. And someone will say, really? And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, great, now I can't do it anymore. Yeah. And so... That's like, always a bummer. Yeah, because like when I was little and I had my first skateboard, um, I'd be out there, I'd be like trying to do an alley, and I'm not very risky of a person, so like doing actual tricks was not really ever going to be something that I got to, but I really loved riding the skateboard just around town, like that was what I enjoyed, and I didn't know about longboards at the time, otherwise I probably would have gotten a longboard instead of a skateboard, I just played Tony Hawk and that was my entire world, so... <laughs> But what I thought was really interesting is when I got my skateboard, um, I have four brothers, and so I'd be out there trying to do an ollie, and it'd be like really frustrating, and I'd get really frustrated, and someone would be like, why are you even trying to do this? Like, just stop. But then my little brother got a skateboard, and like the first thing I did was like, how, how, how do I encourage him as much as possible? And whether it's skateboarding or basketball or gymnastics or diving or whatever hundred things that he chose to do, I made sure never to be like, that's stupid don't do that it was always that's pretty cool like what are you what are you going to do next with it kind of an idea mm -hmm. and i think just surrounding yourselves with people who hopefully not just being like hooray hooray always saying yes but people who just kind of go that's cool what's next like always asking like what are you, what are you thinking with this like yeah. think about it a little harder as you're doing it um well because the helps there's the that's dumb people but then almost just as bad is like the cheer no matter what because they're just like, yeah, yeah, go for it, yeah, do it. But they don't give you any, like, constructive opinions or any feedback or anything like that. Like, that's generally how, like, family is, I would say, is, or supportive family, anyway, is they'll just be like, oh, yeah, yeah, believe in yourself and it'll happen. It's like, no, not really. It's, you got to put some work into this, because if you just yeah. believe in yourself and that's it, you'll be, like, sitting on your couch being like, well, I believe it's happening. Why isn't it happening? <laughs> Strategy always helps. I believed I could do a jump on skis, and now my hand hurts all the time. <laughs> Probably should have learned how to land. Yeah. <laughs> um, to your point before about the in-the-zone thing, I th or the in-the-moment thing, that reminded me, because at the beginning you were like, 
you're like you're constantly living in the moment, right? I think that's a huge part of it about like getting into that flow state is you have an idea where the end of what the end game is, but you're not so fixated on the end game that you forget what's happening right now and you stop focusing on what's happening right now. I, I like more of the in the moment mindset than the let's keep planning and planning forever. And because that you don't get to the end game unless you're constantly doing and constantly right. learning exactly. and just like being like, all right, it's happening. Let's go with it kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I also think it's funny that you said you're not a risky person yet. You quit your job twice. <laughs> you're traveling the country and the general and came into a city not knowing where we were sleeping. <laughs> That's pretty risky. <laughs> I surround myself with risky people. <laughs> <laughs> Bad influences. <laughs> uh, so, Marissa, what um, what has been the hardest thing that you've, I guess, overcome or dealt with in this journey of, of longboarding? Um, the hardest thing. Probably uh, trying to get out of it. <laughs> really? Not really trying to get out of it, but more so trying to uh, sort of, in a way, pick up where I left off. Um, get back to work. Find a place to live. Um, maybe go back to school. Um, I actually left school. I, I was uh, I had just gotten my associate's degree in interior design. Okay. And I decided to quit and start traveling. And, um, yeah, it's kind of hard to get back into the, <laughs> the school motion yeah. now that you've been out of it for so long. Um, and I know eventually I'm going to have to because skateboarding, it can be pretty lucrative, but it's not going to, I feel, maybe it, it's not as a supportive thing that can be always be there. So definitely going to have to. It's very, like, body dependent too, right? Like, Right. Break the yeah. Leg, like, exactly. Literally, then. very body dependent. <laughs> um, but I'm never gonna say I'm gonna get a real job. It's never, <laughs> <laughs> never the idea. But uh, any other things that can be interesting too. Yeah. Maybe you become an interior designer for skate shops. Mm, could be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm kind of doing that right now with the shop. We're doing a lot of merchandising, which is cool, but. Yeah, just kind of trying to move on into something else while still being a part of it is a little bit difficult at times. Yeah, that's interesting. Finding the balance. Finding the balance, both on your board and in life. And Enough exactly. with the fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, so like, what are the core things about skating that you really, like, what are the feelings that you get while you're skating and doing those things that you want to do? you call it skating or boarding? Boarding. Skating. Okay. Like what are the kind of things that you feel while you're doing that or while you're with those people that you hope to have in whatever the next thing that you, it is you do? Um, the feeling, I'm sorry, while I'm skating? Or? Like either while you're skating or while you're with people, like while you're at, you know, going to races or traveling. or mm-hmm. What are the things that you really enjoy about it that you hope to have that similar kind of feeling in your next thing? Uh, well, definitely the thing that I love the most about while I'm skating, and I, I don't think it's something I can really find in anything else is just not thinking about anything else it's just being in this tunnel where everything else doesn't exist and you're just completely focused on this one thing and trying to survive this one thing that you're doing at that very moment 
Um, and then making it to the bottom and realizing that you did survive. Um, being in that moment with people is probably one of the most magical, as cheesy as it may sound, the most magical things that I think you can feel in life. Um, and just sharing that with other people is probably, I'd say, the best thing about it. Because I think there's, there that almost kind of sounds like that state of flow that people talk about in different industries and different creative pursuits. Like I, I think I've heard like artists talk about that, where they're like, the only thing that exists is me and this canvas uh, when I'm working on it. And so it's always interesting to hear the different types of mo like flow moments or or tunnel moments that people have in different careers um, or different passionate pursuits. Uh, and I think it's one of the reasons that I'm like interested in comedy is because I hear that that's kind of what it's like being on stage as well. And being a, back when I was a kid and I did plays and stuff, that definitely is true to a point. So it's uh, always interesting to think about that as you're also thinking about how to keep things fresh. What other areas can you find that give you that sense of kind of tunnel vision? Just like a disconnect from everything that's real. Yeah, I really relate to that too. Like when I'm on stage performing, it like literally nothing else matters. Sorry, I spit on you there. Oh, I didn't even notice. <laughs> uh, literally nothing else matters, and I'm just like, uh, like the last couple of shows I've done, I've started the first song like with my back to the crowd, and then like when the bass hits, I turn around, and like that moment when I turn around, I'm like. That's, I literally, I, I, the first time I did that, I said to myself, this is real life. <laughs> I was like, this is the coolest fucking thing in the world. That's awesome. Um, and I don't, like, and like what, it's almost, for me, it's more about, it's not so much like nothing else matters. Like, that's a, a benefit of it. Mm -hmm. For me, it's like in that moment, I'm like, it's an empowering feeling knowing that, like, the energy of the room is dependent on me. And the, these intense. people's good time for the night is dependent on me and my band on stage and like to know that like I have that like control and like it's such a driving thing to be like this needs to be the coolest fucking thing these people have seen <laughs> uh, let me ask you something how do you feel uh before you go on stage and how do you feel when you're off stage and it's done I'm I'm immediately exhausted the second I'm done <laughs> like if you told me like I had to play like a four-hour set I'd be energetic to that four hours. And then four hour and one minute, the second I step off, I'd be like, whew, like all the adrenaline like leaves my body. Uh, Sorry, it's about yeah. you again. It's the popcorn. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. Good thing. Uh, when I get on, but, but also when I'm done, um, it's, it's like this incredibly like gratifying, like, yes, like we did that mixed with here's everything I know. Uh, like, I, I immediately start, like, critiquing, like, what could I, self-critiquing, like, what could I have done differently or what could I have done better? I, I can definitely relate to that as well. Yeah. It's such a post-coitus mindset. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess the way I phrase that is gratifying when I'm done. <laughs> You're like, the minute it's done, <laughs> reanalyzing it. <laughs> um, no, so that's what it, it's like. I step off and it's, um, it's, a, it's like a we did it accomplishment moment. Um, when I say we, I mean me, my band, and the crowd. It's like this, this is one thing that unites to make a cool evening. Plus the what should I have done differently. Um, before I go on stage, 
I, um, it's not nervousness. It's more like, uh, I learned this trick from, I can't remember who, several years ago about this concept of butterflies. And like, they're not like, like butterflies in your stomach. And I think it was like a college professor. Yeah, it was, I know exactly. She's like, they're not butterflies, they're power flies. Like use that feeling to just like empower you. Um, and that's kind of what it is. And I've, I've. I'm comfortable enough with being on stage to where I don't, like, like the first time I did it, I was shitting my pants, you know? Uh, and that was just an open mic night. Versus now, like, there there aren't, like, the nerves aren't there. It's just more like, I can feel myself just getting, like, really pumped up for it. Which is interesting, because if you look at me before I go on stage, like, the few minutes before I go on stage, I'm very reserved and, like, to myself. Because I'm just, like, collecting my thoughts. But that's, like, the process of me getting... Like, I actually don't want anyone to talk to me in, like, the five minutes before I go on stage. And I... Even the last show I did, as people were coming up to me, I was just, like, I'm trying to preserve my voice. Like, no. Because <laughs> uh, that also I've learned, too. I, if you talk too much before you go on, you don't want to have, like, a sore throat before you go on stage. Um, but, yeah, I'm, like... You probably that, like, shouldn't stand outside being, like, come see my show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, in that five minutes before I go on though it's it's like calm and collected while I'm like pumping my own self up or just like collecting my thoughts but in like the hour before I'm just like hanging out with people just like let's have a good time today mm-hmm. <laughs> do you I don't know how you how you are in those situations when you're pre-race and post-race yeah um it's definitely uh when I first started competing it was definitely unbearable nervousness um uh, Sometimes I would get so nervous, and the reason why I would get nervous is because you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know if someone's going to get hurt. You don't know if you're going to get hurt. You don't know if you're going to fuck up. You don't know if someone else is going to mess you up, and Mm -hmm. it's just the fear of not knowing. But um, I've gotten so nervous sometimes where I felt like I just went into this meditative state, and just it it was kind of like I was the feeling when I'm skating where nothing else exists. but then once they say, ready, set, go, and you're going, then it's just, you know, it all just dissipates and whatever happens, happens. But um, I kind of learned to just accept and just to try to not care. And actually, um, I've been doing a lot of yoga lately, and that's actually been helping me collect uh, or just, be, you know, like just kind of disconnect from your body a little yeah. bit more. Um so, yeah, it's it's a lot of mind game before and after, right? With a lot of things, but... I, I like that point about the mind game. Because I, I went skydiving maybe a year ago now. and But I'd been wanting to go skydiving for, like, six years. And I'd been trying to get friends on board. And, like, we actually all got Groupons at one point, drove <laughs> out there, and it rained. Nice. We couldn't go. And then everyone bailed. And I had to return the Groupons. I and love Groupons. <laughs> yeah, it was this whole thing. And, like, <laughs> finally I end, up, I end up actually going with a friend. And we're sitting there, and, and she's, like, I think she'd even done it before. She was, like, so nervous. And I was just, like, not, I was, I was like, checking Facebook or something. <laughs> like, And uh, it, it was one of those things where I almost pretended it wasn't even happening until I was falling out of the plane. Like, we were in the plane, I was next to go, and the guy's like, you ready? You scared? And I was like, it it hasn't even hit me that I'm about to fall out of a plane yet. (laughs) And, like, it really didn't until we were already, like, my ears were popping. And I was like, ah! And, like, that is kind of how I've been approaching, you say I'm not a, or, I say I'm not a risky person. Yeah, you skydiving, like, you skydiving. Well, I say I'm not a risky person. 
I, yeah, and it's funny because I say I'm not a risky person, but I think it's because I'm not. I ignore the fact that there are risks when I'm doing them. Mm-hmm. Like I purposely, like this whole trip, I really, I, I planned all the stops. I thought about all the driving. I did all that, but at, I still never connected the fact that I'm doing this to it. I keep myself like separated just enough that the risk doesn't seem like a risk. It just seems like. Um, you know, going in your morning commute, it just happens to be nine hours and you're going to end in a different city and <laughs> not know where you're sleeping that night. And so it's, that was the mind game that I've been playing to constantly do all these things like, uh, quitting my job. Yeah. I gotten, you know, butterflies in my stomach quitting, but it was also one of those things where I was like, this is just what's happening. You don't really have a choice here. Like this is what needs to happen for the next thing to happen. It's almost like it was on the agenda and. I just have to keep checking yeah. those things off and <laughs> tricking my brain to not get so freaked out that it gets paralyzed. Yeah. I think another aspect, too, um, especially like what you were talking about with, with racing and everything, and that reminded me of like with, with performing, is so specifically with those kinds of things, and even with quitting your job or anything like that, is generally the people, unless like your direct competitors in the race, People that are there do not want to see you fail, right? Like, the people who come to watch a show aren't coming there to have a bad time. <laughs> people who come Unless to watch... NASCAR. <laughs> what? <laughs> They're coming to watch a crash. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> wow. Um, or, like, the people who come to, like, the workshops we teach, or, like, my TED Talk when I gave that. Like, people aren't coming there hoping to be, like, being like, man, I hope he messes up. So when you own the fact that the people that are there, so like in your case, it's the audience members, people who you're racing against, they're hoping you don't win. <laughs> uh, when you kind of own the fact that more people are on your side, it really helps with getting out and, and doing that thing and takes the weight off your shoulders, I think, because yeah, it's like it's on you, but everyone there wants to support like what's happening. And that goes back to the whole, you found your crew and you know, learned how to do this with people who are supportive. I think at no point, like if you're hanging out with people who don't think that they're going to succeed or that they're going to be good at whatever they're trying to do, then you're never going to think that you're going to be good at what you're trying to do. And so I think there is definitely a huge aspect about those people. And we talk about it all the time, but those people that you surround yourself with at the beginning. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we've run up on our hour for this show. Uh, so before we wrap up, uh, Marissa, where can our audience find you? Uh, what do you have going on? What else can you share about you know what, what you're doing? Yeah, so um, you can find me on, if you want to follow what I'm up to, I'm, I'm pretty up to date on my Instagram account and Facebook as well. What's the Instagram handle? My Instagram is Kokomati. C-O-C-O-M-A-R-I-I. All right. We'll link to it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, And my Facebook is Marissa Nunez with one S. Um, You can also find me on the Daddy's Board Shop website on their Team Riders tab, daddysboardshop.com. And yeah, that's about it. All right. Yeah. Cool. Um, so here's how we here's how we close the show. We go around. Uh, we'll close with you, but we respectively give our answer to the topic question uh, based on what we've talked about. So our topic question for today, which we explored a lot, which was awesome. The topic question was, uh, how do you stay passionate about your passion? 
Take it off, Martin. Yeah, I think the way to stay passionate about your passion is to allow it to manifest in different ways. So figure out what the core thing that drew you to that passion was and find all the different things that make you feel that way. So if you think that painting is your passion or you think that um, cycling is your passion, think about what it is that drew you to it. Is it the people? Is it the feeling you get? And then find other ways that you can feel or hang out with those types of folks. My answer on how do you stay passionate about your passion is find ways to, it's it's along those lines, find ways to keep it interesting um, by finding the other things you enjoy and involving that in what you do. So like, merging. Yeah, merging. Like, so my last show that I did when I was on stage, like I'm really into yoga. I wrapped a verse while in a headstand. Like that made it infinitely more interesting for me and I think for the, like you were there, Martin. I think it was more interesting for the crowd too. Uh, and that like to me is like, I took like, I'm already on stage, but like how can I make this even more interesting? And that gives me ideas for what else can I do now? And it's kind of making it so this isn't just the same thing I'm doing over and over again. I'm finding new things to infuse into it to keep it fresh. Do we expect to see longboard yoga at some point <laughs> in the future? I actually incorporate a lot of yoga poses in my longboard lessons. Really? Yeah, definitely. Such so yeah. like like pyramid? Like when you're going down? Like a... uh, definitely just, you know, like, like the balancing on the one foot, balancing ah. on the other foot. Um, you know, like just testing your balance on, on each of your foot to develop those balance muscles within your legs. Cool. Um, I saw a bulldog doing downward dog on the skateboard. <laughs> <laughs> was, it, was it Rob Dynex bulldog? Yeah. <laughs> I've definitely set up a couple boards for some bulldogs at the shop. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, all right, Marissa, your answer. For how do you yeah. stay passionate about your passion? My answer for how to stay passionate about your passion would be to pass it on. Uh, give it to the next person, give it to the younger people, uh, and to just pass on everything that you've learned in what you have been doing throughout your experiences, travels, whatever it may be. Um, yeah, just pass it on. That's awesome. And uh, give those bulldogs a, a reason to skate. <laughs> 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 All right, Marissa Nunez, thank you for joining us and on very spur of the moment, too. Yeah, thank you guys. It's been great. All right, that wrapped up our conversation with Marissa Nunez. Marissa, thank you so much for joining us. We had an awesome time exploring that with you. Thank you for having us in your home to do that and bringing us to your longboard shop as well. Check the show notes, everyone listening, for all the resources to learn more about what Marissa's doing and see some of her videos and whatnot. What do you want to say, Martin? I can't wait to go take this longboard down to San Francisco Street and not die. Follow along with our road trip at idealemon.com. And remember, you can also follow along on Instagram, Twitter, and the Periscope app. Where can they find us on those things? At idealemon. At idealemon. We'll check in with you guys. Our next podcast will come to you from L.A. Until then, take care, and we'll see you on the open road. Ciao, ciao.